Hey, good morning, everybody. How are we? Good to have you with us. Double thumbs up from down the front. Excellent, excellent. Hey, uh, just um, a little bit of a challenge for you today. Um, for those that would like to, we've got uh, bingo back, first day of uh, the year. So if you'd like to come and do bingo, come and grab these forms. Um, I'll be using these. You're going to hand some out? Cheers. There's uh, pens down here if you'd like some. The idea of this is uh, it, it helps you stay on track during the sermon because you have to listen for the words. Um, and as I've been instructed by Pastor Panda, um, there are some words in this one that will not get used. So if you come and bring me a form with everything crossed out, you won't get your chocolate because you're wrong. Okay? You've got to pay attention. Okay? All right. Now, just before we do get into the message, so the message hasn't started yet, um, I want to say thank you to Richie and the team. I uh, appreciate their heart and uh, for leading us. For those of you that heard him talk about Bono and Eugene Peterson, there's a thing called YouTube, and if you go onto YouTube and type in Bono, Eugene Peterson, talk the Psalms, about a 21, 22-minute long bit, it's quite enthralling and quite interesting to have a look at because um, Eugene Peterson doesn't have a clue on who Bono is. I think that's really cool. Eugene Peterson gets personally invited to VIP seats at a U2 concert and he says, no, not going. I'm too busy. Can't go. So it's a quite good and they do get into some quite interesting discussions about the Psalms and how brutal and real and honest the psalms are especially in hebrew which is what eugene peterson is a professor of and so when you think oh he's just a bloke who wrote the message yes but he's a professor of hebrew which is why he wrote the message to bring out the raw earthiness of the psalms and talking about that i'd just like to share with you a little bit from psalm 100 because as this year starts i want us to be thankful for everything thankful thankful. Be thankful. Have a heart of gratitude or a gratitude heart. And if we can do that, a whole bunch of things will be challenging. This is Psalm 100 from the message. And it says, on your feet now, applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. You ever thought of bringing a gift of laughter to church? Sing yourselves into his very presence. Know this, God is God. And God, he made us. We didn't make him. We are his people, his well-tended sheep. Enter with the password, thank you. Thank you. Now, I don't know about you, but I get triggered by things. I put stuff into my life to help me trigger things. And in our kids growing up, when an ambulance go past, we would stop and pray for whatever's happening in the ambulance or the police or the fireys. Because these are good people going to do something that may not be in a good situation. So whenever I hear a siren, one of the things that happens in me is goes, Lord, I want to thank you for those people going to do what they need to do. Just go bang. So this is now going to trigger me. How many people type in passwords? Passwords? Pass- if you work with Optus, they ask for passwords. It's what's your date of birth, 30th of the 12th, 1963. It's a password. What, what's this? What's that? Get into the church stuff. You've got to have a password. So all this year, you know what happens when I have to do a password? God's going to go... Thank you. Thank you. Are you thankful? It's going to be challenging. 
Make yourselves at home, talking praise, thank him, worship him, for God is sheer beauty, all generous in love and loyal always and forever. So I want us to take a moment right now just to say thank you to God. You want to do that? All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. All right. And let's bring that in and through our lives. And, and we are thankful, aren't we? There's so much to be thankful for. I am so thankful for our God. I'm also so thankful for my wife, who without her in this last 12 months, oh, man, you would be visiting me in the mental health ward. All right? She's been so good. And I am thankful for her. So, so thankful. All right. Now, for those playing bingo, we can start. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for the opportunity of sharing your word today. And I want to ask, Lord God, that you would bring about something incredible and amazing in our church and therefore into our community. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. So this whole month, we're going to be doing a series called Unofficial Chaplains. So that's a little blue book. We've done it before many, many years ago. Uh, written by a guy called Warren Crank, who used to be a Baptist pastor who, who now has gone to different fields. Um, and he used to be the, the chaplain for that terrible team in North Queensland called the Cowboys. Um, he, was the, he was the chaplain when they beat us in the grand final, Nate. So, yeah. um, so he's also, he now is in Brisbane. So he's, he's now, get this, he's now the chaplain to the Devils. Rugby, rugby league team. They're called the devils. So he goes, I'm the chaplain to the devils. How's that for a challenge? All right. So he's written this book. And, and the challenge out of it obviously is that each and every one of us, each and every one of us are unofficial chaplains. Some of us are official chaplains. We get a name badge and a little purple thing and we get to wear it around our neck. And every time you walk around the hospital, people stop you and ask for directions. Because that's what a chaplain does. Yes, correct. So official chaplain, but all of us are unofficial chaplains. How many believe it? Okay, there's a few of you don't. Okay, so that's why I'm going to preach on it today. And at the end of this time, you better believe when you leave this place, you are officially unofficial chaplains. If you don't believe that by the time you leave this place, I'm going to keep preaching. How big is our God? Is he a big guy? We sang about it. How big? He's deeper than the submarine. He's big. He's massive. He's the creator of the universe. How big's the universe? Neil, how big's the universe? Unknown. It's huge. The universe does not get measured in feet, yards, meters, kilometers. It gets measured in light years. That's the speed it takes. That's the, the distance that light travels in a year. Now, how fast is light? Light can travel around our world, the circumference, how many times in a second, Neil? Seven. <laughs> Neil, you let me down here, buddy. Seven times every second, light can travel around the world. And that's how far it travels in a light year. And, and the, the universe that we know is so big, we're talking hundreds of thousands of light years. It's big. And God did that. So if God can do that, can God work in and through your life? You better believe it. Can God bring healing into your life? You better believe it. Does God know how you're coping with life? You better believe it. We have a big God. He's bigger than we could ever dream or imagine. 
And he wants to do stuff in and through our lives like never before. He's a big God. Massive God. Full of love and yet justice. Full of grace and yet holiness. Always with us, but holding our hands as we go through tough times. Not stopping us from going through the tough times. It's complicated, isn't it? But he's a big God. All loving, all powerful. Put those together. How does that work? He is. Now, just to get into a bit of a history on chaplaincy. Chaplaincy didn't just start in the 1980s. It's been around for a very long time. So for those of you who love history, you'll love this little bit. For those of you who don't love history, you can switch off for five minutes. Chaplaincy is the history and living legacy of Christian chaplaincy and the origins of life started with a guy called St. Martin of Tours. He lived between 316 to 397 AD. After Martin joined the Roman army, this is how he got involved in chaplaincy. He was riding along on his horse one day when he came across a naked beggar. He got off his horse and with the big flowing cape that they used to wear as Roman soldiers, he cut it in half and wrapped the beggar in his cape. That night, as he dreamed, he saw Jesus come dressed to him in the cape that he had given to the beggar. That's pretty significant, isn't it? Jesus turns up in your dream wearing the cape that you gave to a beggar, a naked beggar. So was Jesus the naked beggar? Yeah, there's one that walked right past you, didn't it? So Martin was then convinced that Jesus was real, was baptised and began a ministry of the love of the gospel of Jesus Christ by helping people. What remained of his cape, there's only half of it left, remember, was put inside a building. And this building was called a capella or a capellanus, which is where we derive the word chaplain from. And that word chaplain was given to the priest that was in charge and had the ministry of looking after what was left of the cape. But later, because there was only one chaplain at that stage, later what happened is people who were working outside the four walls of the chapel, there it is again, out of the chapel, would be called chaplains. A guy comes along called, um, oh, where's his name? Charlemagne. Charlemagne. He was a medieval emperor who ruled much of Western Europe And when I say ruled, he ruled Western Europe. He appointed chaplains to conduct religious ceremonies and uh, to do everything in and around the royal palace. These chaplains served to monarchs as advisors in the areas of matters of both sacred, sacred and secular. The practice of kings then became that they appointed chaplains always in the royal houses. So all the way through medieval area with lots of kings, you'd see they all had chaplains. For those of you who love your history, you will have seen that chaplains would often ride with the armies to war. And before war happened or the battle happened, they would give communion to all the soldiers so that their souls may go to heaven once they get killed in battle and the work of what they did. So throughout the years, 
we have had chaplains continue to develop in the area of armed forces, emergency services, schools, hospitals, prisons, sports clubs, embassies. In fact, in a book called The Captain of the Soul, we read about chaplains throughout Australia's endeavours in and through wars. If you get a chance, it's a quite a thick book. It's called Captain of Our Soul, and it's all about chaplains right from the very get-go in our, in our nation. One of the most amazing stories in it is about a guy called Chaplain Cunningham. Chaplain Cunningham was with his men um, and was captured in World War II and spent three and a half years in the death camps on the River Kwai. There's a bit of our history. The death camps on the River Kwai. When he was captured, a lot of Aussies didn't show their rank because they didn't want to do that. Um, and as a, a chaplain, you weren't actually given a rank. These days, you're given a rank as a captain uh, within it. Uh, but at this stage, in World War II, there was no rank for chaplains. But the Japanese saw how much the men respected Chaplain Cunningham and how they listened to him and how he was always helping them. So they gave him an armband and written in Chinese, uh, Japanese on there, what would it be Chinese? Japanese on there was Captains of Our Soul. So the prison guards are the ones who gave the chaplain that tag, Captain of our soul. Are we called to be chaplains? If you'd like to open your Bibles to 1 Peter 3, verses 10 to 16. 1 Peter 3, 10 to 16. For whoever would love to live and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now, I want you to be brutally honest. As I read that, as you grabbed hold of that, who is that for? Anyone who wants to follow Jesus, is that's who that's for. But it also could be the creed for anyone wanting to be an official chaplain. When I go into the hospital, I could grab that and go, yep, that's what I'm going to do in this place. Ready, in season and out of season, to give a testimony about why God is working in my life. To the random people I meet, at the football club, same thing. To do good in that place. To shine a light in darkness. To give people a greater testimony of meeting a Christian who's actually doing some decency in and amongst their community. The surf club, the same thing. In our schools, the amount of times I've talked to people and they've had issues within the family or it was the end of life in the hospital and they said, oh, my kids, how are they going to deal with mum passing away, grandma? And I said, have you got a chaplain at this kid's school? Oh, yeah, they go to Bedina. Oh, okay, you've got Chappie Scott. Yeah, he's good. He is a good guy. About doing good. And then in these times, we can make a difference into people's lives. Do you believe that? I do. It's why I do what I do, to make a difference in people's lives for the sake of the kingdom, 
for the sake of the gospel. A lot of it is just being there, being there, being there, being there, waiting for that right time, that right place to be able to do as God called us to do. In the Old Testament, prophets, priests and kings were all set apart for service. Ceremonies took place. They were anointed, called and set apart. In the New Testament, it happened again. Apostles. And if you go into the word apostle, can anyone tell me what apostle means? Sent ones. Very good. Sent ones. Am I looking at a bunch of apostles here today? Are you sent ones? Matthew 28. Go ye into all the world. God said go. God said go. God said go. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Christ's ambassadors. Go. In one sense, the greenhouse is an apostolic center sending sent ones out into the community. Sending us out to do and be the hands and feet of Christ. We as a leadership team have been talking about apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers. We need teachers in the church, amen? Yeah. We need shepherds, and we've got some great shepherds within this church. We need evangelists who will go and reach the prodigals and reach those who don't want to be reached. We need prophets who will speak the word of God in love and in truth. And we need apostles, the sent ones, the sent ones. The missionaries were endorsed and deployed by way of ceremonies and spiritual significance. Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 13. I'll give you examples. Also in Luke chapter 10, Jesus appointed the 70. And if you look at it, it says, and he sent them out into the world. Sent them out, 70. So we know that there were 12 disciples, 12 apostles. And if you go down to Victoria, there's six apostles. Once upon a time, probably 12 apostles. But they were the ones that were sent. We know that. But if you go technically, there's another 70 apostles who were all sent out. And they were given a mandate. Read Luke chapter 10. They were given a mandate. They were given how to do it. They were told they would be lambs thrown out to the wolves. If that's not being sent out into the world, I don't know what is. But Jesus was doing this back then. And I believe he wants to do it again. What was important about this is that they were commissioned and sent out. What followed was more important because they went out and then they engaged with real people in active service and according to God's divine deployment by the Holy Spirit out in the community. They understood that their special ministry had been endorsed by the highest authority. They were unofficial chaplains. And for you and me, our active service can and should commence, commence straight away. For you and I are specially commissioned by God to be his people. Again, let me read to you from 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm just going to read from the, the NIV. I've got three different versions here, but to save time, I'll just read it once. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect 
exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. So here he is, Peter, an apostle, saying, hey, I'm calling you to be apostles, to be sent ones, to go in the power of the Holy Spirit, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to you, in obedience to Jesus, sprinkled with the blood, go and be. So my question for us today, are we willing to embrace the calling that God has for us? Are we willing to serve the people around us right now? Remember, each and every one of us, I believe, are strategically placed for a special service of ministry outside this church, outside the four walls of the greenhouse. You have been purposely positioned in order to serve the people that God has placed in your life. For many of you, you will minister to people that I will never get to minister to. And that's the way it should be. For we are all Christ's ambassadors. We are all called by God to minister his goodness and grace. We are all called to pray for one another. I want to remind us that we are on divine deployment. Will you embrace your role as an unofficial chaplain? When Jesus walked the earth, he embraced his role to minister to the people that he came across. Wherever Jesus went, ministry happened, didn't it? Jesus is walking down the road, and there's a funeral procession going past. He sees it, his heart breaks, he reaches in, he touches the young boy in the coffin and brings him back to life because his mum was a widow and had no son because he was dead in the box. Jesus wasn't at the funeral. He was just passing through life and he bumped into the funeral. So many times when Jesus was doing life, ministry happened. The Sermon on the Mount, do you think Jesus prepared for that? You think he sat down like us pastors get to do and put a sermon together? Or he just got together with the disciples and all of a sudden there's thousands of people ready to listen to what he had to say because that is what took place when Jesus turned up. So many times when Jesus did things, it got so crowded that he had to push back towards the lake and he'd have to call the disciples, hey boys, I need the boat again. And I say again because we read about it once. If it happened once, I think it happened again and again. And he jumped in the boat and he'd preach from the boat. You see, Jesus embraced what God the Father had called him to do. We had just celebrated Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. God was sent in the form of Jesus to minister to you and to me. The goodness and grace of God Almighty. Today, we will reflect on this through the communion. As we take the cup and the bread, I want you to reflect on this. Jesus, fully obedient, fully obedient, embracing what the Father had called him to do. And remembering, the night before he went to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see a little bit of that rawness of Jesus, don't we? Where he says to the Father, we've really got to go through with this. This mission that we've been on from day one, that was ordained before the very beginning, we're going through with that tomorrow. I'm actually going to go to the cross. 
And he says, if this cup can be taken from me, you can hear his heart. And what does the father do? No, son. The mission continues. You have been deployed with this in mind. And we get to remember it. You have been deployed with other things. When you leave this building, I will not stand at the front door and give you a cross. You don't have to do that. Jesus has done that for you and for me. But when we leave this building, we still have that commissioning to do what God's called us to do. To pray, share his goodness, his grace, to be ready in and out of season. If I can have the service come up, please. Now, as you get the cup, I'm going to do it differently again because it's a new year and we can do it differently. I want you just to hold on to the cup and to the bread and we'll take it together at different times, okay? So just hold on to the cup and the bread and maybe while you're holding it in your hand, just take a time of prayer and just say, okay, God, what's this about? I know this is about Jesus going to the cross and dying on our behalf and to setting us free and that we are forgiven and I have eternal life with you. But what's that about? And if us having eternal life is not just about enjoying comfort of church, then it really does need to be about being called to minister his goodness and his grace.
let us uh, take the bread together. Father God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus, who went to the cross obediently for you and for me, that we might know life, a full life, life in abundance. Let's eat. Father God, we, we realize that the, at the cross, your blood flowed. Your blood flowed. And there's a lot about the blood that brings healing to our bones, healing to our souls, healing to our spirit, healing to our church, but more than that, healing to our community. And so, Father, as we do something very physical by drinking this may we individually know that healing but may we corporately understand it as well and may we together take that healing that hope that faith that love to the community we live in in Jesus name let's drink together The unofficial prayer for a chaplain begins this way. Today, I am commissioned to do good to the people around me. Today, I am commissioned. I've got a copy of the whole prayer up here if you'd like to grab it and put it in your Bibles and every now and then pray it. You and I are called and commissioned to be about actions that flow out of the conviction of Jesus in our heart. Having received our commission... I want to challenge us to fulfill what God has called us to do with all skill and passion. Colonel Brewer is the head of chaplains in the Defence Force. And he said this to them. It is fundamentally important that a chaplain clearly understands his role within the unit and that he strives to fulfill that role completely and with conviction. Again, that book I mentioned, Captain of Our Souls. You should read some of the testimonies of what the chaplains get up to. Men in the Defence Force up until recently, was men, now women, would go into battle lines without any guns or anything. Probably just their Bible over their heart and would do amazing things. Today, I want you to accept the fact that we are ambassadors. We are apostles called by God to a ministry and to resolve that with God's help, we will imitate Christ to a life that is worthy of imitation. That we will serve with all our heart, not to conform to the sinful behavior of the world behind us, but we will ask and give and offer God's forgiveness. We will be humble and commit to selfless service and we will ask God to help us to be credible ambassadors for Jesus and be the one who serves diligently and who models integrity. Amen. God bless you all.
I'm going to hand back to Richie and the team. Uh, please feel free to come and see me afterward. Love to talk and pray with you. I know Bob and Anne would love to pray with you as well. Um, if you want to pray with other people, then please do so. But I want you to grab hold of this challenge today, to be ambassadors, to be unofficial chaplains for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.